Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to The Suitcase and The Stride with award-winning journalist Scott Burnside and former NHL goaltender Mike McKenna, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for another edition of The Suitcase and The Scribe. Mike McKenna in his closet in St. Louis. And this is a studio. It's a studio. studio. I'm going to cut you off. It's his home studio. It may be a closet, but it's a studio. Listen, for, for a long time with our guest, Pierre Lebrun, I uh, taped a podcast in my closet, uh, but we didn't use a video. We weren't as high tech or sophisticated. And I'm so pleased that Pierre is joining us. And number of things. Got the Dallas Cowboys hat on in anticipation of big Thanksgiving Day clash with the uh, with the uh, Raiders in Vegas or against Vegas. I don't even know where the game is, but the game's uh, in Dallas as it has been forever. I mean, <laughs> how, how much football have you watched in your life? Do you know? The so Cowboys play at home on U.S. Thanksgiving. I, I, I did. I didn't even. Well, I know Detroit always plays at home. Right. But and in yeah. fact, not to go too quickly down the rabbit hole, but you and I have actually spent some Thanksgivings together in Toronto watching football at our favorite place up front bar and grill, which is no which more no longer exists. Yeah. No Those, longer uh, exists. That's how this, uh, so I am hosting some pals tomorrow at my house and uh, over the years, it's either been at a bar or at my place, but uh, outside of last year where I, where we didn't get together, um, this has been going on for 20 plus years where I've gotten together with buddies. Yeah. For yeah. uh U.S. Thanksgiving football. So I, I really take the holiday, even though it's not a holiday in Canada. I'm yeah. curious about that for you guys. I mean, how much does it bleed over now? I mean, you're, you're both Canadian, but you spent so much time working in and around the States. Is mm. there any factor of thinking, hey, OK, this is a big deal to us now, the American style Thanksgiving? Or is it just another day that you can celebrate and turn the Cowboys on? Yeah, I know most people have to work. I mean, uh, it's not, it's obviously it's, it's just another business day for a lot of Canadians, but, but if you're in the U S when it's happening, do you take advantage of it? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, I, I've just made it a personal holiday over the years. I've manufactured it for myself, <laughs> such a massive Cowboys fan, but most years when the CFL season is on its right schedule, everything is off right now in sports as we know, but most years, uh, U.S. Thanksgiving also coincides with Grey Cup weekend, which is a fun time in Canada. A lot of partying around Grey Cup. And so I, we've had a lot of years, especially in the Grey Cup's been in Toronto, where there's all kinds of people in town from out of town. You know, obviously, U.S. Thanksgiving's on a Thursday, but a lot of people are arriving that day for Grey Cup. And, and so those things have overlapped over the years as well, which is kind of neat, but uh, not this year. Yeah. 
Mike, so I just oh, now we're, we're down the rabbit hole a bit, but did did you grow up? I mean, a St. Louis guy. I mean, the whole, yeah. you know, the emotion of the, you know, the cards and then the Rams leaving. Like, did you, did, uh, you know, what's your, and of course you played your, most of your career in, in the U.S. I know a, a couple mm-hmm. of Canadian stops, but did, like, do you have an affection? Does what's, you know, the whole football, the Thanksgiving thing? I mean, it's, it's gotta be, you guys must be, your family must be pumped for this. Yeah. Oh, big time. I mean, I always wanted to host Thanksgiving and I never really had that chance with my family. I always hosted when I played, I was, you know, the ringleader because I like to cook and, you know, and, and we'd always get everybody together to have the meal from the team and you'd get some unwitting rookie to try to make a Turkey and it would come out like shoe leather, but you'd appreciate the effort because they would inevitably buy like the biggest Turkey they could find at the grocery store. And cook it for like 10 hours. And so you, you just, you make a ton of gravy and cranberries and try to save it with it. Um, but yeah, it's exciting to do it at home. And I don't have any affinity to football at all. Yeah. Okay. I, I explain this to people being a St. Louis than that. I have become an agnostic football fan. I have no allegiance to anyone because I've had two teams leave me in my lifetime. The St. Louis Cardinals football team when I was very young in the eighties. And then the Rams came and left. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, Rams tough. and the Rams came to town really when I was leaving for junior just before that. So I never really felt connected to him. So I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a racing greatest hockey show guy. on turf, greatest show yeah. on turf, St. Louis Rams. Yeah. yeah I mean, one, that, one of uh, the great Super Bowls, by the way, one of the great Super Bowls with Tennessee almost tying it in the last moments there. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, I covered, and so I covered that one. I remember wow. I won, I won a $1 bet, uh, with a player named Russ Bartlett, or I lost it. I lost the bet at school at St. Lawrence because the Patriots beat the Rams in the Super Bowl, and I lost a one dollar bet that I paid in pennies to a guy named Russ Bartlett. But so, uh, so yeah, it's it, but football is huge in the Midwest, man. Baseball, football. I just I gravitated hockey, racing. You know, so I just celebrate the food. Oh, I love. Well, the food. It's, I'm, it's, I'm not eating today. This will probably surprise Mike, but the NFL is huge here in Toronto. I mean, the NFL TV ratings in the greater Toronto area are through the roof and uh, right up there with all the major American markets. Uh, TSN has all the NFL games and it's gigantic. Yeah, um, not too, not too I always wonder, I always wonder if we'll get a team one day. I don't know. I, I don't know if I want that because of course, will that influence my Cowboys fandom is my, is my okay. issue there. Right. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, so let's, uh, well, let, let's more some hockey talk and, and Thanksgiving's, you know, Thanksgiving's interesting for the NHL because um, I think the NHL's done a nice job and I don't know, can't remember, you know, introducing a whole slate of games on, on black Friday and, you know, sort of some national games and really trying to, to, you know, um, take advantage of that huge viewing uh, weekend in the U S uh, on the tales of Thanksgiving football. And I, and I think for a long time, it, you know, we've looked at Thanksgiving and I know a lot of GMs and coaches do, they look at Thanksgiving, they draw the line in the sand and say, okay, well, where, where are we? Do we really suck? Are we okay? Can we, you know, is this a mirage, all those kinds of things. And, and Pierre, let me start with you. But you, like when you look at, especially, you know, given the, you know, the tumult of the last couple of seasons and we're still, teams are still dealing with COVID, all those kinds of factors, the flat cap, do you, like does Thanksgiving have the same meaning to you? Like we, when you look at the standings, I'm actually writing, a, you know, I'm writing a piece, Eastern Western Conference, are you cooked or not? But do you think it's different? I, I see what you did there. 
yeah, yeah, I see yeah, you did yeah, that. You know, anyway. I don't. Uh, by the way, Mike, is Scott still asked very long questions <laughs> on your podcast every week? I'm just curious because well, uh, he gives you know it, it gives me the opportunity to really formulate my response, <laughs> and it's greatly appreciated. I'm not very good at thinking on my feet, so that way I can get the hamster going in the brain, and we're right. off and running. I have actually fallen asleep during some of his questions over the years, but I, I I'm going to try and not do that today. Uh, anyway, look, so back to the so what were you asking? Oh yeah, okay. So so I. I don't think it's as relevant this year myself. Uh, you can agree to disagree, but I actually think because, A, the season started later than normal, right? At least seven to 10 days in some teams' cases. Yeah. We didn't get the early October start. Uh, team started anywhere from October 13th to 17th. Calgary didn't play till the Saturday, I think. So, um, so I think it's not quite the same demarcation point. I also think because of the uncertainty with the COVID cases still popping up on different teams and, and you don't know if you're a GM, if or when that's going to happen to your team over the next few months, I just think there's more uncertainty in the season still that you can't do your traditional, this is who we are right now, in my opinion. And the other thing is half, half the teams in a league are at the cap. <laughs> so yeah. even if you wanted to do something, it's very difficult right now. It's dollar in, dollar out until yeah. you get closer to the March 21st trade deadline when finally there's a bit more uh, cap flexibility, as we know, uh, with the AEV um, being easier to absorb. So, you know, I, I don't even know, Scott, if you're looking to shake up your team, how much maneuver maneuverability that you have as a GM right now. Yeah, that's, you know, I look at it from the player's perspective that we always – you know, come Thanksgiving time, I think nobody in a locker room ever wanted to admit, admit you were out, um, even though the stats tended to bear that out. And I do agree with you, Pierre, that I think there, the uncertainty leads to it this year. Uh, the cap does as well. But I do think it's still a good guideline. I mean, if you're not in the playoff picture by Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. even though we started a week later, it's time to go. And, and I do think that there's a bit of a mirage effect because of what we saw with the St. Louis Blues Right. In 2018. Worst we can all do that. Life. We can all do that. Sure. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you got this big bell curve of life of, of, uh, of statistical, you know, reality. And then here were the blues that season last in the league, fire a coach come in all of a sudden Jordan Bennington carries the team. They win a Stanley cup. And it kind of makes you look with rose colored glasses in the same way as everybody seemed to think that the Kraken were going to be good this year, like Vegas. That's not happening. Uh, but I, I wonder from for especially Scott and Pierre, for you, you guys have spent so much time in press box, in arenas. And those are things that I never had a chance to feel as a player. You can only take the pulse of people around you. Mm. Do you have a feeling when you walk into the building, when it's a team that's kind of teetering or maybe out, do you, do you sense that nervousness when you're upstairs in the box, even just speaking within management, scouts, those types of people? I always base that on the quality of the snacks they give us in the press box, mm. whether a franchise is teetering. No, I'm just kidding. Mike. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you, sometimes you do. I mean, I mean, you know, who's at the morning skates and this is more of a pre pandemic comment. I mean, these days mm-hmm. it's still so different in NHL rinks, as you guys know, the, the flexibility to meet with people still isn't there, at least here in Toronto. So I don't find myself still in ranks as much as I used to mm-hmm. be because the networking availability isn't really there. But um, but it used to be certainly, I think, I don't know what Scotty thinks, but you walk into a morning skate and you could see the look on a GM or a coach's face for sure as to how things are going right now and whether or not they want to chit chat and what they have to say. No question. I mean, we're human beings. And, and no matter how careful you are and what you want to say on or off the record when you're running a team or coaching a team, sometimes it's just body language says it all. 
And I think there's no question about that. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, it's the same. Pierre's right. I mean, you don't, there's, and I don't know whether we'll ever get back to it, but you know, the vibe of going into a locker room at a morning skate or an off day practice and invariably the team that's going well, guys are hanging around and, Oh, you know, you've got, you know, people are happy to chat. Now there's some, you know, some people like, you know, to me, a guy like Barry Trotz is always going to be, like he, he gets it. So you can always have a conversation with Barry Trotz in normal times. Um, but yeah, no, I think there's a definite, you know, teams that are struggling or, you know, guys, you know, if the, the, they're under the gun, then often it's, it's harder to find people. Well, Mike, you, you've been in those locker rooms. I mean, if you're oh. on a team that is struggling or maybe there's a lot of external pressure or controversy or stuff going on, like, you know, are guys hiding? Are they scurrying out the back door? Like I, I always felt that well, I covered the least for a couple of years. I felt that every day. It didn't matter. They were with guys were trying to get out the back door, but you know, what's it like from the player side? You know, I think it's Pierre's right. It's human nature. Yeah. It really matters your role within the team. I mean, and you can see how it can wear down leaders. You know, yeah. where you just have to face the music day in, day out, same answer, same question. Eh, can't you get the power play going? Well, we're working on it. Like, <laughs> it's just tiresome. It's not as, as fun. And it always amazed me, you know, the teams I was on that had leaders that could just shrug it off and do it every day. Automatic. You know, I mean, I played in Arizona when we were God awful and Shane Doan would just stand up there and face some music. Nothing phased that guy. Yeah. And it's just like, man, what a leader, you know? Um, and I think the depth guys are just nervous in general. You know, you always think you're on the block if you're a depth guy. And then you, you, when things are going sideways, you're going, oh, man, I better, I better not book that U-Haul for the end of the year. or I better not extend this lease. Like, these are the things that you think about. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I had a quick follow-up there to wonder, like, has there been anybody that was particularly stoic that you just couldn't get a read? You know, like, whether a GM or a coach, like, that whether good, bad, and different ultimate poker face, is there anybody in the game that really struck you that way? I mean, I, I've enjoyed my chats over the years with Lou Lamorello for sure. And, and with Lou Lamorello, you get a pretty honest answer, regardless of where his team has been in the standings for sure. I, mm-hmm. I mean, and I think a lot of that has been his leadership and the way that uh, rubs off on everyone else in the organization. And, and that's not nothing because right now the Islanders have not lived up to billing so far this year. Now they played a, you know, first 13 games of the year on the road, of course, waiting for the rink to open. But, but that does rub off when, when you have someone, as you said, Mike, that's stoic. Lula Amarello to me has always been a stoic leader, that no matter how things mm-hmm. are going on the team that he runs, that there will never be panic, that, you know, there'll be a steady hand at the wheel. And that's the first name that comes to mind for me, for sure. Yeah. And I, I, he's, he's not stoic. He, in fact, he may be in some ways the opposite, but you know, I was, you know, for me, I always loved a conversation with Paul. It, there was always, and it, it wasn't, he wasn't rationalizing why if his teams weren't playing well or rationalizing why things were going on. He was, there was a, like a, you know, here's, here's how I view it. Here's what we're trying to do. You know, yes, this, you know, like, and not throwing guys under the bus. It was just a real, I, I always, I, I, maybe it's the Windsor connection, but I always enjoy <laughs> Paul Maurice because and there's a certain, you know, a certain honesty about we there's only we don't can't control everything, right? Like your point, Mike. Well, if we could fix the power play, we'd fix the damn thing. Sometimes it just doesn't work. So, yeah. um, and, so. and I do think I do think Paul Maurice is the most thought, is the most thoughtful interview 
among coaches in the NHL. And there's a lot of good ones. I mean, John Cooper, Barry Trotz, Dave Tippett. Uh, there's a lot of guys that I enjoy hearing from. And and but my point about thoughtful is that Paul Maurice will listen to the question and and really try to answer it in depth. And 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 he coaches in a Canadian market where there's a lot of coverage. There's a lot of tough coverage. And and uh, you know, Mike, I, I'm not taking anything away from what you said about Shane Doan because he's one of the great guys that I've gotten to know over the years and such a thoughtful person himself. But when you're playing in Arizona, you're not exactly getting the volume of questions that you're getting. In no Winnipeg. doubt. That's very real. <laughs> right. hundred percent. That's real. So Absolutely. I yeah. always think about those things too. Pat Quinn. Uh, yes. Uh, God bless his, God bless his soul. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean. Anniversary of his passing, if I'm not Right. Mistaken. Seven years seven ago. Seven years and, ago. And uh, boy, when he was coaching both Vancouver and Toronto. Oh yeah. He might get in your face and you might go back and forth, but the, the he'd fill your notebook every day. I mean, there was something interesting. I learned something from Pat Quinn almost yeah. every day, right? He was such an interesting guy and a smart guy, and and I just have a lot of time for for that type of person. Yeah. So, uh, so I want to. So we raise the the Thanksgiving line in the sand, whether it's uh, more uh, permeable or whatever this year than other years. And, and Pierre, you mentioned the Islanders. Are the, is there a team? that you look at it, the things, you know, look at the standings and where they're at and you think Thanksgiving, you think, okay, this, I, I, I got no, I, I don't know what's going to happen with this team. It, are the Islanders that team for you? Or is there another team you're looking at going, man, these, you know, the rubber's got to hit the road pretty quickly here. Well, I obviously like a lot of people have a lot of concern about the Islanders, but I also think let's let them even out the the home and, and road schedule. I mean, it's crazy the way they've had to play their year. Uh, obviously between the COVID scare that's still ongoing and, and the massive injuries that they've had, everything seems to be lining up against them, but I can't help but believe in this team yeah. when you consider what they did the last couple of years um, and the coaching staff, I think they get back in a fight over time. Now the really tough thing for them is the division they're in. Yeah. No easy games in that division, boy. Last and, place, and, last place yeah. in the Metro today. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, that's a tough division to climb back into. That's the one concern I probably have more is not so much that I don't think they're going to play better hockey as they get healthier. I think they will, but is the hole too deep given the quality around them uh, in the Metro? Yeah. I have real concerns about the Islanders. Uh, and like you said, Barry Trotz has always got his team. If not in playoffs, right at the edge. Like even those poor expansion teams in Nashville, he was able oh, to yeah. carry them. I mean, I was part of that organization in an ancillary role as a draft pick, but you'd keep track of the team. And I kept thinking, like, how are they doing that with this roster? Well, it comes down to structure and discipline and leadership. And Trotz has always gotten a team there. I just really am concerned about their scoring. Uh, Barzell's not where he needs to be. Beauvillier hasn't performed like he should. Like they're just underperforming in general. Mm-hmm. You're hoping that coming home can change that. There's a lot of hope for me for the Islanders because they should be better. The team that I've got my eye on, especially in the East, is Boston. I know that they're only two points out of a playoff spot. And I think that this is a team that's probably trending where they should to. But, you know, like Taylor Hall's been okay. Like there's a lot of okay going on in Boston. Mm -hmm. And there's always that expectation When's it going to really click? When do they take off? You know, when's Pasternak going to score again? When Sukaras like signs with them in the second and half? That, that- boy, <laughs> Pierre, you're just so clairvoyant because that's what I think is missing. I think right. they're missing the rock. Do you have that feeling as well? 
I mean, I still think Olmark's a pretty good goalie, but it's just that it, he's he's in a new place, still feeling his way his way around. I think, but yeah, but yeah, if, if Tugaras comes back, I think that's just gonna you know rev up that dressing room. But on the other hand, I mean, listen, I thought the bottom was gonna fall out a bit for them because they've been so good for so long last mm-hmm. year, and I was completely wrong. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just you almost get the feeling like it's never gonna happen. You know, as long as Patrick Bergeron is playing, maybe the Bruins are always competitive, but. I actually thought it was going to start to, to get them last year, but it, we're actually seeing it now, to your point, Mike. Uh, but I do think if Tuka Rask does come back and sign with the Bruins in the second half at some point, and then you get a rask Allmark tandem, mm-hmm. uh, boy, that's, that, that's, that's pretty solid as long as they can stay healthy. But they're not getting the same offensive balance. I mean, listen, they are, they're always top-heavy with, with that top line, but I still think you're not seeing as much from the second and third line that you need to be competitive. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, as, even though the Atlantic's not the Metro, still pretty interesting at the top there because if Florida keeps doing what it's doing and then you got the two-time cup champions, Tampa, you got the Leafs rolling. Boston at some point has got to roll up the sleeves yeah. there and say, we want to get in this thing too. And, and do we get in this thing as a, as a top three seed in the Atlantic or do we have to get in as a wild card, which is not that easy when you no. look at all the teams in the Metro doing their thing. So yeah. I, I think there is some heat on Boston to, to steady itself here. So, it's, it, the, I mean, the one team that uh, uh, Mike and I, I know we traded notes on it this morning and I don't think. Wow. You guys, you guys trade notes before. Uh, Mike, you are an upgrade <laughs> oh, yeah. over me in that podcast world. I mean, uh, I wasn't listen, even going to mention that. I, mean, I wasn't even going yeah, to mention that, but no, we, it's a goalie Mike, thing. It's a college <laughs> thing, man. Like it's just, you got to prep and do your notes and that's why I can't ever sleep yeah. at night. <laughs> I mean, I mean, listen, I went to college, but it was pre-internet. So, you know, long time ago. Yeah. Pierre and I went to the same university, just uh, several decades apart. So, um, but no, I, I don't think there's anyone in hockey who's really concerned about the Colorado Avalanche who sit outside a playoff spot at mm. Thanksgiving necessarily. But that's a, to me, they're, they're an interesting team for a number of reasons. A, I thought it was critical that Jared Bednar gets the contract extension. I agree. Really important signal right i mean i don't think any you know anyway it was yeah impressive. but that was the old two-year not three to four-year extension which i thought was interesting anyway just thought it's like that anyway and yeah. of course no nathan mckinnon at this stage and you know and how, you know for me that i in fact i i had this conversation my son's home from college and we were watching hockey last night and and i quizzed him. i said you know who who's fourth overall in nhl scoring he's got 23 points Fourth overall. Nazem Kadri. There you go. Like, what a great, what a great story for a guy who's got a lot of baggage and he's, you know, like the whole team still Terrific has to play. Yeah. So, so are you, and I watched them play that game against Ottawa the other night. And it's like, oh my God, last, last possession wins that game. Seven, five at the end for the ass. Pierre, are you like any level of concern there? Or is this one of those teams? Zero. That, yeah, zero. Yeah, yeah, zero. Because I think between the COVID cases they had early in the season and the injuries and this and that, they're just sort of, you know, this reminds me of some of those great teams we've had over the years, whether it's a Washington or a Pittsburgh, where it's like you just know that, okay, just find find your level when it matters and get going and come playoff time. Colorado is going to get going. I guess the one question I'd have, and Mike's in a better position to answer it, is whether Darcy Kemper seems to be fighting it at times here. Mm-hmm. And, Obviously, enormous pressure on him, not just because, you know, he's replacing uh, Philip Grubauer, who had a couple of great years in Colorado, although Grubauer right now probably wishes he didn't leave. But 
his, his own future is up in the air after this year mm-hmm. for Darcy Kemper. His deal is up and the opportunity is golden right now for him. I mean, geez, go out and win a cup in Colorado and uh, you can write your own ticket. But it, from afar, when I'm watching the abs, it seems to me that, that Darcy Kemper's fighting it a bit right now. Yeah. And I've, I've kind of been onto this and it's funny because I picked him as my Vezina winner this year because I expected Colorado to be that strong out of the gate and give him the mm-hmm. support structure. Um, but I did have question marks even in my own head because last season in Arizona, I didn't see the same Darcy Kemper. And I, I chalked it up, though, to him having health issues, battling through some things. Mm-hmm. And I figured coming into this year, OK, he's going to be healthy. He's going to be on a great team, like contract year, all that stuff. It's not always easy to change teams, especially right. Arizona, as strong as they could play defensively. I know they couldn't score well, but. I mean, Talk always had that team play in D. The kill was good, mm-hmm. and it was built around Kemper. Well, Avalanche aren't built around Kemper, okay? They're built around McCarr and McKinnon and every other huge name and huge contract. And I think that he struggled, honestly. And I do think, mm-hmm. though, that there's room for him to adjust to his team. I've been on teams before where it took me until mid-December before I finally got it because I, I went from team to team. Look at look in my closet here, guys. There's jerseys <laughs> everywhere. Um, so... There's some, an of those, some of those are from the same year, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, uh, one year, five of them. So, and by the way, if you know where my white Vancouver Canucks jersey is, please let me know. I'd love to get that at some hey, point. There but, you go. But so, yeah, I, I think that Kemper, it's taken a bit. But I, I, was, I was worried about Colorado two, three weeks ago. I'm not anymore at all. I think Kale McCarr's, right. I think Kale McCarr's the MVP of that team. I, oh, people gosh. will. People will he's, bury he's me so, for that, but that guy's sick. And, and McKinnon, I, I, got, I got breaking incredible. news. He's going to make the Canadian Olympic team. Breaking news. <laughs> yeah, I got, no I surprise. Uh, so I, I think Kepper's going to be okay, but and, and you know he was so good at, at Scotty's favorite tournament, the World Championships uh, last mm-hmm. June, when that unheralded oh Canadian God. team coached by Jared Gallant won the gold, and yeah. Darcy Kemper stood on his head. Um, but let's also be, you know truthful i hope we always are but truthful about how colorado ended up with him he was not plan a i mean no i've written about this a couple of times but that whole 48 hour period in late july was fascinating for the goalie carousel um number one they went into the 11th inning trying to re-sign grubauer way mm-hmm. into july 28th the first day of free agency at one point colorado thought they were pretty much almost there but plan B before the market opened that day was Freddie Anderson. Colorado mm-hmm. had talked to uh, Claude Lemieux, of course, Claude Lemieux and Joe Sackick, uh, very close friends, former teammates. I think the Avs were going to pivot to Freddie Anderson had the stars sort of aligned better time-wise that day. But it didn't because when the market opened, Freddie Anderson can't wait. He has to – so he went to Carolina – Colorado was trying to sign Grubauer. Like, geez, that, that went until at least, what, five or six in the afternoon Eastern time mm-hmm. before Grubauer signed in Seattle, I think. Yep. And then finally, plan C, after all the goalies are gone, free agent-wise, pretty much, they overpay through the nose. And Bill Armstrong in Arizona was patient that day, and it worked out for him, and trade uh, a, bo- a boatful, uh, a lot of assets to get Darcy Kepper out of Arizona. But let's be honest, that was not the plan. Yeah, that was not the original plan for the Colorado Avalanche entering that offseason. Right. But if they win the Stanley Cup, what does it matter? Exactly. That's what you're always going to look at, yeah. right? When it comes down to it, did they pay too much? And Kemper may have a great second half. We'll see. But <laughs> well, so just before we move on, then it's like I'm curious because I think Joe Sakic has has uh, emerged as 
one of the best GMs in the NHL. And I think it's fair to say, you know, it's for, it was, it, it was a learning curve for him. Mm-hmm. And, but you know, his patience and the whole, how he maneuvered through that Matt Duchesne deal and his patience. And, and you're right, Pierre, he, you know, he had to pivot. He still ended up with an elite goaltender, but I just think that he's done such a nice job there. Oh my God, that team is so, they're so stocked, but there's a, a lot of pressure on this team, right? They looked, they collapsed against Vegas it looked like it was like, okay, well, who's, you know, where's the leadership? Like how, how did that happen? And I think mm-hmm. there's a tremendous amount of pressure on this team this season. And I wonder if that leads to, you know, it's Joe Sackick have to, I, I, I've looked twice now during this podcast because I can't remember Johansson's first name. Anyway, the backup in uh, Jonas, Jonas Johansson, yeah. with all due respect to him, there's no real plan B in goal. So, uh, you know, does Joe Sackick have to look at, what about Marc-Andre Fleury? Uh, pending UFA, <laughs> things pretty up and down in Chicago. That team has no chance to make the playoffs in my mind. Like, Do you think there's – how much pressure will there be to, okay, if it's not Darcy Cumper, what can we – do we upgrade our plan B? I, I think you have to – I think you're all in on Kemper at this point. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury is a $7 million AEV. Uh, you know, even on March 21st, how easy is that to – you know, to, to shoehorn. And I think quite frankly, Joe Sackick might get elbowed on the way to the podium by Ken Holland and the Marc-Andre Fleury uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the uh, race in this race. Uh, and I don't know that for sure, but, but to me, if you're talking about a team that has a chance to to win and to me, Colorado is still the most talented team in the league for me. Anyway, you guys can disagree yeah. no, I- when they're, when they're healthy, but Edmonton's doing something pretty special out of the gates here. And, and, uh, you know, Mike Smith, when healthy, has been terrific the last couple of years. But if you get close to March 21st and Marc-Andre Fleury indicates to the Blackhawks that he's open to a move, uh, how is Edmonton not in that group of teams phoning? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think he's he's the perfect fit. And, and I want to underline the fact that I think the Blackhawks, even though Marc-Andre Fleury only has a 10-team no-trade list, I think the Blackhawks are going to be super sensitive uh, to Flurry's desires here. Yeah, they have like, to be. Like, you know, his, he moved his family to Chicago. He needed some convincing to, you know, to, to get the Chicago from Vegas. And, and so all roads lead through, you know, what Marc-Andre Fleury and his family want closer to March 21st. Yeah, he's going to hold the cards there. I mean, and Chicago's got to play that right with him. Let him make a decision if he wants to go somewhere. And mm-hmm. I mean, I and will he may say, not. Though, yeah. and he may not at all, you know, but I will say in Edmonton, I'm a huge proponent of homegrown goalies, man. And I'm telling you, if Stuart Skinner can yeah. be performing for the next couple months, it makes things easier on Ken Holland. He's okay? playing and, well. And, you know, once again, you still look to the Bennington effect, right? This is a guy that carried us. It came from within. I think teams are a little bit more comfortable with that now. And really, I got one more for you here, Pierre, that we'll talk about quickly. When mm-hmm. I wanted to ask about the Vezina race and maybe not as much who this year we think might take it because I, I think Bobrovsky is going to be the guy leading now because he's got some clout. It's not just because he's on the first place team. It's not just because he's played so well. Mm-hmm. It's because he's won twice before. And now I know the general managers vote on this, but I think that Scott, yes. you and Pierre have much more insight into the process and into the runway leading to who wins the Vezina, because I think it's determined by January, by the end of January, you have your Vezina winner. Do you disagree or agree with that, that coaches and GMs and organizations, once they have it in their mind who the front runner is, it's tough to unseat that person? 
Yeah, and it is a GM vote. And I was disappointed in the GMs last year that uh, UC Saros wasn't a finalist. I'm not totally agree that they should have totally won, agree. But, but I thought he carried Nashville Predators. And, he did. Uh, um, you know, I, I wonder if Igor Shosturkin, if the Rangers keep winning games uh, and give up scoring chances like they have been, and Shosturkin keeps doing what he's doing, what about Igor Shosturkin as a wild card candidate this oh. year if he keeps it up? I mean, we're looking at him as goalie coaches as Shosturkin. He's our guy now. It was Carey Price. When I coach really? goalies, I'm showing them Shosturkin. The way this guy mm-hmm. skates, how controlled he is. Hold, hold on, I just got a call. It's uh, Andre Vasilevsky. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's fine. Nobody (laughs) has the same athletic – the mental athleticism that Vasilevsky plays with is something that we know we can't teach as a goalie coach. So you have to look to somebody who's a little bit more controlled. (laughs) Now, now, the aforementioned Freddie Anderson is having a heck of a year for the first-place Carolina Hurricanes, so so he's got an interesting bid going on early on. Markstrom Um, as well. Yes, yeah. Um, just wrote about the Flames this week, and and man, it's not just that Markstrom has been so good, but the way the Flames are suffocating the middle of the ice, it's amazing. Daryl Sutter Hockey 101 is happening in Calgary right now. To answer your question, though, on the GM vote, it has changed. It used to be that GMs really, like, you had to really lose your grip on the Vesna. Like, the tie always went to this the, the seniority, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Patrick Waugh, Marty Berdur, Dominic Hasek, you know, guys really had their, their hands on it for a long time. And I'm seeing a lot of uh, one-offs. I mean, there are a lot of guys winning their first Vesna, And um, I think this, this wave of GMs is a little more open to the new guy. And, and, and so it, it's interesting. Now, Fleury won the Vesna last year, of course, kind of a wide open year. But I, I think it's harder to predict now, Mike, to answer your question mm-hmm. than it used to be with, G, with the GM vote. So, so one of the guys, nobody mentioned James Reimer, got a 940 save percentage. But anyway, mm-hmm. I don't love James Reimer. Pierre, we had him on our podcast last season. Super I think. guy, yeah. Yeah, really good guy. And what a great story for him in San Jose. But uh, like, I'm, and you live in Toronto, and I know you don't cover the least, but you, you have a sense of that marketplace. You know, the guy that for me, Jack Campbell, you know, 944 save percentage. Yeah, another Vesna candidate for sure. Well, Look, Jack. Well, let's 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 open the scope. Vezina Trophy, and where does he fit into Team USA? I like. I know. Listen, I Mike and I have talked about it. Mike's he really like thinks Thatcher Demko is a terrific young goaltender. You got John Gibson, obviously former Vezina Trophy winner. Connor Hellebuck, who's going like this. Jack Campbell's story is the one that keeps giving, right? I mean, it just there's. There's no drop off, and I thought there might have been after the playoff loss to Montreal. But what, like, what's the vibe in Toronto about Jack Campbell? Can uh, Team Canada bore one of those guys, by the way, for the Olympics? <laughs> um, no, the vibe is uh, is through the roof positive for Jack Campbell. Fans love him, uh, the media love him, uh, his teammates love him. Jack Campbell is is an incredible story. He's just such an easy guy to root for. Um. And, uh, yeah, he's in that mix right now, too. They, they only uh, – to me, it's not about whether he can continue to play as well as he is. To me, the the question mark is can he stay healthy? I mean, because yeah. that's been mm-hmm. – that's sort of been what has dragged him down at times. But uh, what a story. And, and by the way, I hate to be that contract guy. His deal is up at the end of the year <laughs> on a team with zero cap room who just yep. uh, signed Morgan Riley to a big extension. So, I, I – I can't wait to see how that plays out. Um, his agent is Kurt Overhart. 
um, and uh, who's a tough negotiator. Now, a lot of it will come down that I'm guessing Jack Campbell's pretty happy where his career has exactly. really come alive. But when you consider that Cal Peterson just got three years, five million AV from the LA Kings, having played at the time when he signed it, just I think like 53 NHL games or something in that range. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's Jack Campbell worth after a season like this and after last year's uh, coming out yeah. party for him? I don't know. At least five million a year, don't you think? Oh, easily. I think it's more of a question of, how, like you said, how comfortable is he? You know, right. and, and I do think it's better to have somebody within your stable than having to go shopping on the open market. Mm-hmm. I do think there's value in that, but he's going to be a six guy if he continues this. I just don't know term on it. And, and that's, I never thought I'd say that about Jack Campbell after watching him play in the American league, whatever, eight mm-hmm. years ago, this is a guy I didn't think could make it in the American league. I'm a believer now. It's taken me a long time because I had those distant memories. He's played awesome. And it does. Right. It comes down to if he can stay healthy. I love, I love hearing him talk. He's so hum- the, the humility uh, and just the appreciation for the big stage. It's awesome. Right. Obviously term will be a big part too. Uh, his a, you know, he's still, he, I think he's 29, mm-hmm. uh, but a three-year deal looks different than a five-year deal. AV wise, of course. Yeah. Um, and on the flip side for the Leafs market wise, a, a recent signing that could, Whereas a Cal Peterson signing, I know, burns the Leafs, I think, internally, <laughs> because they know that's going to be brought up by Kurt Overhart. On the other hand, if I'm the Leafs, I'm using the Saros extension as, as my counter, because Saros, who, who, is, who has been at it longer in terms mm-hmm. of being an elite netminder, right? He signed for $5 million a year with Nashville. And if I'm the Leafs, I use that contract and say, well, have you shown yourself yet to be at the same level of Saros consistently for three, four years. Right. So it's yeah. an interesting thing. I think can't wait to see what he signs for. Not to, you know, not to remind Leaf fans who haven't of course seen a playoff victory since before the 0405 lockout, but we're talking about an extension for a goaltender who like the rest of that talented team has done squat. So like, is, is there I like, and I'm, is he the guy? Is he the guy? And I think the question is, it's not even whether can Jack Campbell lead you to a Stanley Cup, although ultimately that that question has to be answered by somebody. But, but he but can't it, wear he can't wear that first round loss against Montreal. I think was this a safe percentage, like nine thirty four or something? He can't series? wear it, but he has to wear it because he plays in Toronto. Right. Yeah. Like straight out, man. You now, will be now, blamed now, now no matter what as a goalie. <laughs> and certainly the memory of game seven, unfortunately. And I thought Jack Campbell was really good in that series, but the memory is that Brendan Gallagher opening goal in game seven. That's right. And that's a tough one because yep. you know, you can't get that up against the other guy at the other end of the ice in that game seven. Right. And that's, what's going to hang on a goalie's head. He didn't make the big save at the big time. Okay. I can show you a thousand goalies like that who had to go through that before they eventually won. Not a thousand. Right. Let's take, the, let's pair that down to 10, but <laughs> I see Pierre, my, my goalie union card is just, it, I love it, it, man. it clouds my brain, but I'm on this mission to defend the boys. Hey, hey, hey member. I work, I work with noodles at TSN. So I'm used to the goalie. Card. You're in Don't good company. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, just, uh, we'll let you go. I mean, it's been fun, but I know you got, things- I, I could go all day. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. I do have to go shopping for my, uh, us Thanksgiving party. Okay. But Good. so it, in behind you, there's a, a picture over your left shoulder picture of Marty Brodeur after the gold medal win in Salt Lake city, Salt Lake city. Okay. The big question I have, who is your favorite Olympic roommate? Well, of, of all the Olympics you covered, who's your favorite Olympic roommate? 
Well, it's got to be you, Scotty, from the 2010 uh, Winter Olympics in Vancouver. We uh, shared, uh, at least it was a suite, not just a single room, but we shared space for three and a half (laughs) weeks in Vancouver (laughs) at the, was it the Best Western or the Travel Lodge in downtown Vancouver? I can't remember. I'm not throwing ESPN under the bus, but boy, it didn't, it it was um, not upscale. It sounds... Sub luxurious. So, 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 so I'll give Scotty credit because when we got to this room, uh, the bedroom had two beds, uh, and, and then really there was, a, and then they were very close to each other. And then there was a living room with the, with the pullout couch. And Scotty looked at me and says, "I'm sleeping in the pullout couch for these Olympics." <laughs> so we, we, we gave each other breathing room uh, during these. But um, I woke up every day during those Olympics with pieces of pepperoni in my shoes every single morning scotty thought it was very funny that he would put pieces of pepperoni sticks in my shoes every morning to see how i would react now i don't know if you've covered an olympics mike but at the end of an olympics after you work 16 18 hours a day and maybe have one too many bevies at the end of the night as well on top of it you're a bit tired and the the 27th day where he uh put pepperoni sticks in my shoes is the closest I've ever come to pulling the hockey shirt over his head and and going at it (laughs) now. So he, he, he said, okay, I'm done with it. I'm not going to do it again. So on the last day where we're traveling out of Vancouver, he didn't do it. Going to the trade deadline. deadline traveling, Traveling to Toronto and my shoes were clean. Scotty did not put pepperoni sticks in my shoes on the final day. We get back home again, dog tired. I opened my suitcase and there are pieces of pepperoni all over my clothes in my suitcase because Scotty had waited till I was in the shower that day. We were packing and opened my suitcase, which I had closed and put pepperoni sticks all over my suitcase. Uh, yeah. Might have been those, and some of those red cheese rounds too. I put them in there too. Baby. Uh, yeah. Yes. Well, all this is doing is preparing me for any future road trips, room sharing I may have with Scotty. I got to be ready for it. And I got to have the OxyClean ready when I come home because we know pepperoni is greasy and it leaves a little like orange stain. Yeah. Wow. It was mostly just the hard ends of the pepperoni sticks. So that was too much, but really, really bizarre behavior. (laughs) Mike and I are covering all-star in Vegas, Pierre. So, but I'm pretty sure that Frank's going to be able not to sharing talk. a room. Okay. We're not sharing a room. We're not sharing a room, but <laughs> no. anyway, just, it's good to know that. Uh, all right. Listen, it's, it's terrific to catch up with you and thank you for coming and this and stories and that, or who do you like? Who do you like? Cowboys? Can they pull it up? That was a, not a good performance against Ken. Do you, do they bounce back against Vegas? Well, I actually didn't mind how they played defensively because I was pretty worried of Mahomes and because I was actually at the game in Vegas when Mahomes destroyed the Raiders the Sunday night before. And so I was, I was a little worried about that. that. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, but uh, at least the Cowboys defense played well last Sunday, but their offense was brutal. Uh, I think they went at home against the Raiders. I think the Raiders are, are walking around like their season's blowing up and I think the Cowboys rebound um, and win on us Thanksgiving. And I'll be a happy man. All right. I miss you, man. Yeah. I miss you. Yeah. No, this is, it's, a, it's like old times. At least you upgraded your podcast teammate. I'm happy for that. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's, that's completely up for debate. Uh, <laughs> anyway, 
have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, all the best to your family, my friend. And uh, we'll say we've got we've got some uh, we've got some business to discuss uh, down the road. I I owe Pierre dinner, Mike. After a uh, failed, well, uh, I wasn't going to mention it. I'm all right with that. Little fantasy football, little fantasy football head to head matchup. Yeah, it yeah. did not go your way. No, they get Taco Bell in Canada. It's all right. <laughs> all right. Hey, I'll take it. All, all right, right. You're joining care. us, Beer. Yeah. Love you, man. See you guys. Yeah, take care. All right, Mike. That was a ton of fun. And uh, before we get into our final thoughts of this episode of The Suitcase and the Scribe, a reminder that DoorDash, let's see, we were talking about dinner. That's a pretty good segue, isn't it? Uh, DoorDash is the proud sponsor of the Nation Network of Podcasts, Restaurants, and More Delivered Right to Your Door. They'll get a food theme, Mike. What's what's on the uh, McKenna Thanksgiving menu? Is there a special McKenna dish? Is there like, and I know you are, you are, you're a foodie. Yeah, I know this. Uh, it's, it's a, that's a really that, like, bougie term. Just, yeah. It's, it's, I actually don't like, I don't like foodie because it makes you sound elitist. Yeah. No. Uh, and I didn't mean it that way, but you, but you appreciate I, I good food. So your heart, your heart's in the right place. Um, but no, I do. I mean, I love to cook as well. And so Thanksgiving's my favorite and I don't go crazy. You know, like I get food and wine magazine, Bon Appetit magazine. I see all these like out there wild recipes for Thanksgiving. I'm just like, nah, man, give me the green bean casserole and the mashed potatoes and the turkey. <laughs> like give me the straight up Thanksgiving yeah. favorites. That's what I want. Uh, but I have tried to really nail down my turkey recipe. I'm, gonna, I'm smoking a turkey. I've got a 13 pounder that, um, you know, I'm going to get a dry brine tonight, hit it with the salt, get the rub yeah. on it and do it with cherry wood tomorrow and nice. um, try to get the skin nice and crispy. And so we'll see, like, I I'm, I'm still playing with the recipe. I just got to make sure I don't overcook it. I got to have my temperature probes in it <laughs> to make sure I pull that baby at about one sixty and let it rest for a while. But, uh, now how do you, but man, yeah. How do you smoke it? Do you have a green egg type thing or do you, do you smoke it on a, do you have some sort of device or what do you do? Uh, well, I, I, most people now are using pellet grills. I think pellet grills are for posers. I'm okay. just being yeah. facetious here. Actually, pellet grills are a great way for people to start barbecuing and smoking. I just right. say that to be a mean person, but uh, I have a little aluminum grill called a PK grill. Okay. And this baby retains heat. You just you bank the coals to one side. You do some offset cooking, smoking. You put the turkey on the other side. And I use live fire, charcoal, lump charcoal, um, yeah. chunks of whatever wood I want. I'll probably use cherry wood tomorrow for the turkey. And it doesn't take long. I mean, three, four hours and it's done. You actually want to smoke poultry at a higher temperature than you would ribs or pork butt or brisket. You want that lower temp? Well, chicken, poultry, turkey, you want that to be higher so the skin can get crispy and it can absorb the smoke faster. So there's little techniques here and there, but I stuff it, stuff it with all the herbs in the world, put some butter under the skin. Oh, I can't wait. I just love it. So do this. Take a picture, and uh, I know it's a podcast, but because we do have the video, <laughs> when we do this next, when we reconvene next Wednesday, maybe a little picture, or maybe just tweet it out, because yeah. maybe people are listening and they'll want to know how it goes. But as long um, as I don't burn it, I will. Because last year <laughs> okay. I got a little bit over, so uh, <laughs> um, we'll, we'll flip it back here. I mean, like, right. Scotty, I got some questions for you. Okay. I mean, I know that recently this week you talked to a couple people in Anaheim, and we've been giving them some love. Yep, and. Troy Terry, man, like 
who saw this coming? Like he's now in contention for the Olympic team. He's ripping it up. You talk yes. to them in Anaheim. Talk yes. to Dallas Eakins, if I'm not mistaken. So what's going on out there? It was great. It was a great week because I spoke to a bunch of people I hadn't talked to in a while. I talked to Brian Gianta, mm. who played with Troy Terry in the 18 Olympics, because, of course, the NHL, NHL players weren't in South Korea. And uh, Troy Terry came out. And he was part of, I think there were three college kids who came and played on that team. Brian Gianta. Jordan, Jordan Greenway was another one in Minnesota. Exactly. And um, Donato, I believe. Uh, yep. Ryan Donato. Um so it was great talking to Brian because they, they become quite close, Troy Terry and Brian Gianta as a result of that. And I talked to Pierre mentioned Kurt Overhart, who's from Denver. His son grew up playing youth hockey with Troy Terry, played on a travel team with um, uh, uh, with Cal Foot, Adam Foot's son, Adam coached, and actually Joe Sackett coached briefly in Denver. So it's, it's kind of a cool story that way. And, and, you know, the interesting thing, and I, I'm not sure my understanding is Troy wasn't on the long list for team USA, Mm -hmm. uh, which will prevent him from being on the U S Olympic team, but he is, I think he's tied now with Kyle Connor as the top scoring American player in the NHL right now, and just finished a, I wish I had in front of me, 16 games, 16 game point streak. For the yeah. Ducks. Uh, and when I talked to Troy, it's such a humble, really thoughtful kid. And his relationship with Dallas Aikens, whom he met when he got sent down from the Ducks two or three years ago to San Diego, to the AHL team. And I think Dallas Aikens has been instrumental in Troy Terry you know, putting things in perspective, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Troy talked about how he never wanted to be sent down and how he always felt that he was – he is capable of being an impact NHL player yeah. from the get-go. There was a lot of self-belief and confidence there. Yeah. And that, and that may have work. been to his detriment. Well, and I, yeah. And I don't know which, yeah. And maybe whatever the factor was, it didn't work out that way. Right. And, and he had to learn not to beat himself up. And so we talked about, there is this element of, holy cow, who the heck is Troy Terry, who had an outstanding world junior tournament a few years back and all those things. Yeah. But he's really had to, he's just, he's physically matured, obviously, as he gets, has gotten older, um, but he's matured mentally. And he is, we talked about his relationship with Ryan Getzlaff. And I think Dallas Aikens has done a great job with that Ducks team. There's been some off ice stuff that you and I've talked about in terms yeah. of, um, uh, you know, in terms of the management with Bob Murray uh, being um, forced out and going into alcohol rehabilitation and all those kinds of things. Uh, Dallas Aikens deserves a lot of credit. Yeah. And it's a long answer. It's longer than some of my questions, but I, I, I think the fascinating part of is this ducks team, can they maintain that? And I like mm-hmm. those young players. You talked uh, a couple of weeks ago about, you know, having talked to Kevin Shattenkirk and those young Team players on the team, but the young blue line, you know, this, these, you know, the next month or six weeks will up to the Olympic break, I think will be critical to, yeah. are you ready? You know, the, the grind of it. And can you, can you keep pace with Calgary and Edmonton? I think it's going to be hard for four teams in the Pacific to make the playoffs. I think it's more likely five going to the playoffs from Metro, not Metro from central. central. So it, it's critical for the ducks to stay in that top three and I don't know with Vegas coming, can they do that? So that's, you know, it's, it's going to be a real challenge, but I like that team a lot. And I think Dallas Aikens deserves a lot of credit and certainly Troy Terry, maybe one of the great, you know, the great stories of, you know, this up to Thanksgiving. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that you look at Dallas Aikens at this point kind of being a shepherd in some ways, speaking yeah. to the players. Um, and that's a progression, too. We talked about that with Pierre earlier. How about how you progress through your thinking and your play? Well, I mean, he's learned an awful lot since his first stint as a head coach when he coached sure. the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, going to the American League is not a bad thing. It's a good thing in some cases. Troy Terry, a chance to play, a chance to regain form. And I always thought about him, and I thought about that World Juniors where he scored about 15 five-hole goals in a row on the shoot, in a shootout, and he ripped up the tournament, and I thought, this guy's a can't-miss prospect. Yep. And then watching him for Anaheim last year, and so often because you know I was covering Vegas, I saw Anaheim a lot. Like He just was a non-factor. You know, and there'd be little glimpses where he'd drive the net and you think that's what you need to see. Well, he's doing that consistently now. He's getting to open ice now and he just looks like a different player. Like, and whether that's the Aikens effect or, or it's just him figuring it out, he's playing phenomenal. And Shattenkirk, what, I, what he said that I found to be really prescient and interesting was that, hey, the young guys will say it's me. And I'll say it's them. That just shows to me that it's a whole team pulling together. Yeah, no, I think I think you, you know, hit on that. And, think- and I'm telling you, man, they don't have Bob Murray staring over their shoulder anymore. Yeah. Okay. I think that's real. I, I think there's a bump from that, that they feel free now. Okay. Yeah. If everything that we're hearing was going on, that's not a workplace. That's fun. Like it yeah. starts to kind of make sense. You know, so um, I, I'm, I'm bullish on them. I think they're going to be in contention for playoffs. I don't know if they make it, but man, I think they'll yeah. be right there and I'm pulling for them. Uh, and the other topic I want to hit, how about Jarvis and Carolina? Seth? Yeah, it's a good story, right? I mean, this Cheers listen, we've, prolific. There's, there's been a lot of there's been a, it's, it's been a hard season, right? Been a lot yeah. of hard truths that we've had to confront and the, the continues to need to confront all those things. So it's nice to celebrate a story like Troy Terry and mm-hmm. a young kid who's really getting it in, in a marketplace that has had some tough times. And Seth Jarvis is another great story, you know, a rookie who earned his way on to one of the best teams in the NHL. And I like and, and then earned his way to the first line, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't get the chance to hear it. And I'd like to go back today at some point, but my sense, I, and I, if I get social media, correct, always a bit of a danger, but I, I think yesterday, cause that was the, that's, he's playing in his 10th game. So, you know, he's, it, uh, he's not being sent back to junior. That's not going to happen. And, and I think Rod Brindamore asked Seth Jones to sort of, you know, he, he, he sort of mark the moment during their practice there in Seattle and again, I think that's another acknowledgement of talk about atmosphere around a team and culture and identity. I think, though, you know, how many coaches would take the time to say, this is a big, this is a big day for our, for one of our guys. Yeah. And, and we're going to make note of that. And you'd like to think a lot of coaches would do it. I'm not sure they would. Yeah. And I think it kind of goes both ways. I mean, there's respect there from, from Brindamore to the player and the player to Brindamore. It's symbiotic, you know? And I mean, just watching how Jarvis plays, he fits right in. He would not be trusted on a top line with Aho and Tara Vinan if he, if Brindamore didn't think he could do the job and he's, he's starting them in all three zones. Yes. You know, okay, well let's, let's try him on the penalty kill. Let's try him here. Let's, and he's responded. Like when I watch him, his hockey IQ is really high and he picks up on things fast, but you can see like the routes that he takes, the gaps that he has, they're wise beyond his years. And, you know, players can have great scoring touch and not score goals because they can't get open. And how simple does this sound? Well, 
I watched Jarvis, man. He just little deceptive moves, peel off, find that open ice, pucks on and off his blade. It's in the net. Like, I don't know if he has the best release in the world, but he releases it and it goes in. And I'm just, I'm impressed. And I think it's a cool story. And, you know, yet again, like you said, another moment in Carolina history where we're talking about Brindamore and culture and and everything going the right direction. And, uh, you know, you wish more teams could have that. Yeah. Buddy, this has been great. It's like when Pierre said, yeah, we could do this all day, but. Got, I know you got some prep to do. Um, I want you to have, I hope you and your family have a great, great Thanksgiving. Enjoy the moments. And I can't wait till we reconvene next Wednesday, but uh, as always great work by you and uh, have a great Thanksgiving. It was, it's no, always a ton of fun. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're bunkered in the U S so I hope you get to enjoy it as much as I do. And yep. uh, I would have, I would advise that you lay off the heavy carbs today so that tomorrow <laughs> You can, uh, you can indulge because I know I'm going to be on the couch by about seven and yep. sleep by eight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's good advice. I'll, I'll keep, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the update when we uh, reconvene next week. Sounds good. Good work, Scotty. Yeah, you too, pal. Thanks for listening to The Suitcase and The Scribe, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.